1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
2: Good afternoon, everybody. Kind of a dreary Ohio afternoon, uh, but uh, if you don't don't like this kind of weather, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> Let's start off thinking. Important. If we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten we belong to each other. Mother Teresa. You know your you know your worth after you lose everything. That's where you see what you're made of. Ain't that the truth? And finally, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. Mark Twain. He had quite a few great quotes in time. Anyway, I had this conversation with a young lady this week, and uh, her dad was a bond guy, and she said, well, why do you talk all the time about stocks? Well, let's... Uh, look, I always talk about the long term on my, my uh, uh, show here, and... <sighs> If if you know the odds of successful equity investing relative to bonds, uh, it it, it changes a little bit the the longer you hold. But over a period of time, one year, 68% of the time, stocks will outperform bonds. A five-year, 76% of the time. I'm just going on past statistics. 76% of the time. 10 years, 83% of the time. And 20 years, 100% of the time. Now, equity returns have only beaten U.S government bonds, intermediate government bonds. Now, a little more than two-thirds of the time over a one-year period since 1950. But stocks have outperformed bonds in every 20-year rolling period over that time frame. And the worst return of equities over a one-year time frame is minus 37%. That was 1950. And uh, we've had a couple repeats of that, but they haven't lasted the whole year. Compared to uh, 9.4% for bonds, Up until last year, okay, Uh, no, the year before. I'm sorry, the year before bonds had their worst year ever. So volatility uh, measured by standard deviations nearly three times as high for stocks as compared to bonds. However, over twenty year periods, volatility is much closer to for the asset classes. It's three percent versus two point one. So, you know that long term strategy I talk about. There's a reason I talk about it. All right, simple as that. Now, some people have said. uh, Tim, I don't like the markets. I don't like the markets. You know, hey, go ahead and say that. Whatever you want to do. All right. I'm just telling you, since 1950, and uh, after a 20% decline where we go to new highs, it has led to gains 11 of 11 times. All right. So uh, this is our friend Lori Calvacina's stuff. And, um, you know, you, you just got to think about that. Now, look, I, I have said on the show uh, that I thought that. The, uh, the gains would be in the second half of this year, and we're starting to get things are starting to get interesting. Now, look, if you look at the inflation numbers, and I was reading Lori, you know, Lori has a big uh, report she puts out every week. The inflation numbers were down to 2.9 percent. Okay, now if you took insurance out of that, things would get really, really interesting. So, uh, anyway, that, uh, <laughs> Marie, that's. Why we look at equities more. Um, anyway, so if uh, you want any of the information we talk about on this show, please go to WHK's webpage. You know, if you go to WHK 1420 AM, go to local podcasts. It's on a banner up at the top there. Go to uh, Smart Investor Show. Uh, you know, we have our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list, uh, our wealth plan. Just had two people do uh, uh, wealth plan this week, and they were shocked. Uh, they, I actually told them they could spend more money. <laughs> they were shocked, shocked. I say uh, that there was gambling in this house. That's from Casablanca, by the way. Um, and also, uh, you know, we we do have uh, some other stuff that we can provide you with, and we'll talk about that uh, going forward. Um. So, by the way, if you'd like to do a wealth plan. Just all you got to do is, you know, on my webpage, if you go to my webpage, you go down to Smart Investor Show, it goes directly to my webpage. It's all sorts of contact me and emails me. And I would highly recommend looking at Insight. And also under Bulletin Board, it has Rob Schleimer's stuff called uh, Roadmap. Rob is our head technician, and he's very good at what he does. And it's good stuff. Uh, you know, sometimes the short-term affects the long-term. Like, you know, I had Seven people called me last uh, two weeks ago about uh, semiconductors. Now, we were talking about semiconductors three months ago, and most of them are up. I mean, there's, there's a couple up, 100%, all right? So you don't want to be chasing those right now. I think, you know, they're overbought, and they're going to come back to us, and then then we'll talk about it again. But, you know, use your head. Don't don't let this momentum take you into the stock once it's moved that much, okay? Mm-hmm. Sit back and wait for an entry point. You know, be be patient. Uh, That's why people hire me. Um, anyway, the, the point is, is that, uh, you know, the family inventory workbook, get organized, the wealth plan, get organized. Let's see what Lori has to say this week. Lori Calbacina, who's on CNBC pretty regularly now, uh, is our head strategist and she's good at what she does. I, I really like her stuff. So I think, you know, she, she talked about a chart of the week and, um, You know how does the earnings per share growth outlook for the top seven names, you know the magnificent seven as they call them, in the S and P compared to the rest of the index? And if you look, the growth for the top seven names will likely end up around fifteen percent for twenty twenty three. Now the earnings growth for the rest of the S and P five hundred will likely fall for six percent over the year. Okay, so looking into twenty twenty four, earnings per share growth expects is to turn positive for the S&P 500, Uh, X the top seven names, okay? So earnings per share growth stays much stronger for the top seven names, don't get me wrong, but the gap in the growth between the top seven names and the rest is supposed to shrink. That's why we're talking about this, you know, spreading out of the market. So I I guess if we took a a look at the the early takeaways from the, the fourth quarter of twenty three, uh, you know, Laurie's team has been reading through many of these transcripts of the S and P five hundred calls, and the companies are saying relative to the to the macro U uh, S. equity markets, and there's some notable quotes from uh, some very smart people. The companies have tried to strike an optimistic tone when the news isn't so good. <laughs> So it'll be interesting going forward. I I think uh, if I look, uh, the performance whiplash as rates have reversed course is interesting because, you know, we had a spike up in rates and then a spike back down. And the shift in the small caps was pretty dramatic in the fourth quarter. I mean, small cap stocks ended up the year 24% higher. That's pretty big. Uh, Value was also up. uh, But, you know, interest rates are inching up again. Uh, Everybody's looking at the 10-year. So large cap growth performance has come back into view. So, it you know, we keep bouncing back and forth. Uh, now, I said last week that, um, you know, everybody was high on small caps. What I didn't see was Monday was the flow of funds came out of small caps. We had a 3% flow uh, out of small caps, which makes me think, you know, hey, uh, it's not what they say, it's what they do. <laughs> it's important, right? So. People are dump, dumping small caps because it's gone up too fast, too far, which I think is nuts. But uh, the other thing we noticed is that earnings revision, re- revisions trends explain the reversal in leadership with, you know, large cap earnings revision trends, the rate of the revision to the upside has been stronger in growth than in value. So just, you know, keep that in the back of your high uh, head. And the retail bulls reign in their horns, uh, Before hitting new highs at the end of last week, the S&P got off to a real choppy start in January. Now, we're up 2.5% for the year, but by the way, that's good. You know, the January indicator was just a couple days left. That was enough to send net bullishness on the AII survey. You know, that's the American Association of Individual Investors. Lower. Okay, so the the bulls uh, have taken a step back, which is what we wanted. Now. You know, we're bullish on 2024 and, you know, our price targets up there, but there's no changes in our valuation indicators yet. All right. So, you know, we've been less concerned about the valuations than some of the more bearish U.S. equity uh, people out there. So keep that in mind. But look, there's more evidence that we have a very resilient consumer. So we'll see what happens. So I think you got to keep a close eye on the University of Michigan sentiment index which has been closely uh, correlated with the performance of the S&P 500, by the way, and the Russell 2000 post-COVID. So the other thing I think that's obviously a major problem out there is the political backdrop remains a, a major source of uncertainty for U.S. equity investors. And we found it interesting in the Michigan survey that the consumer opinions about government policy have continued to slowly inch up off the extreme lows. And that sentiment among Democrats and independents picked up while essentially moving sideways for Republicans. And we've not seen an improvement in Biden's overall approval numbers. Uh, however, you know, Trump has slightly widened his lead over Biden in the polls. So we'll keep that, see what happens with the, the Iowa caucus, uh, caucus coming up. Now, we did notice that equity flows have started to falter since the start of the year. Believe it or not, that's a good sign. If everybody's all in, that's when you want to go in all out. Okay. So uh, I, that's why I brought up the small caps. And we do have a small cap list that is available if you go to WHK1420, local podcast, down the Smart Investor Show, directly to my webpage. You can just call, uh, you know, uh, send in for that. So it, it's kind of a very interesting scenario. But uh, look, we, we think the time is now. We're still bullish on US small caps. So just keep that in the back of your head. Now, I did get a call uh, from Ken this week, and, and Ken asked, uh, you know, what do I think about the defense industry? And You know, there's two main players in the defense industry that just got whacked this year, and they continue to get whacked, uh, although the ones kind of rebounded, and we're not going to name names or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I, I think the there's some uncertainty in the aerospace markets, and it's going to remain elevated until one particular company gets its act together, okay? Uh, so, um, the investors interest in large cap defense stocks is very low right now. And I would say that's on an institutional basis and also, uh, on a retail basis. So, um, you know, some think that's the time to buy them. That's okay with me. Uh, you know, I just think there's some favorites and some least favorites and uh, the least favorites are pretty well known right now. The, our biggest favorites, uh, you know, have taken a step back this week, and I, I think that might be, uh, you know, when you add a little bit, but we'll see what happens going forward. So there you go. Now, the other area I think is going to be, become prevalent, and this is: th- there's going to be a lot of disruptive forces in healthcare. There's some great potential within the digital health space. Uh, stock performance over the last three years have been kind of stymied by higher interest rates in, in this group, but there's a competitive intrusion and there's a lot of noise. Okay. So the fundamental outlook looks very healthy for this group and investor investors continue to hunt for innovation. Okay. So the, you know, they're looking for value based care remains very large and uh, adoption is adoption. I should say is, uh, accelerating. Um, you know, <laughs> Try to get into see a doctor. It, uh, you know, you need a note from the pope. Uh, so they're sending you to, to urgent care or wherever. Um, until unless you get a, I mean, sometimes you're talking about three four months to get a, 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 a you know, get in to see your doctor. So they, look, the vo- the focus remains the same: deliver better health care at lower costs. And um, there is one silver bullet for achieving it, and that's using you know uh, the digital landscape. So. You know, here's what I'm seeing is technology and alternative care sources plus payment reform are three of the keys to kick, uh, fixing health care. And it's been well documented that healthcare care in the U.S. continues to grow at a sustainable rate. And, and we remain firm believers that technology, inc- increasing consumerism and adoption of new payment and reimbursement models will play a critical role in this. OK, so keep that in mind. And uh, investors should start to think about getting some exposure here, okay? Now that they've got beaten up, remember, buy low, sell high. And companies, uh, you know, that are best positioned are using artificial intelligence, which we've been talking, beating that drum uh, hard for uh, some time now. Now, we have a new report. It's called Disruptive Forces in Healthcare, which you can get. I think that's going to be a very interesting Scenario going forward, in my humble opinion, uh, you know, there there's a lot of names in this report. Um, they're going to be volatile for a while, uh, but I think they are going to be there's some some big time winners in there. Uh, you know, look, a lot of time I send these reports out, and you don't know the analyst. I do, and so I'm not making any you know specific calls on these names because you know I, you don't do business with me. All right, so. The data center, you know, area, which we talked about this summer, I mean, there, there's only the three big names that I bought. They're all winners. And, uh, you know, so just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, so I, I continue to see, you know, I do charts every day. And every day I look at charts and I, you know, I, I have some people who call me a little bit ridiculous, but that's okay. But look, I think the mood appears much more upbeat for the biotechs now. And I think the key is the continuing momentum. You're starting to see MA enthusiasm, and it's likely to to be like a pull-through after other positive catalysts. You know, so if you hear, you know, like uh, neuropathy, there was a good call this week on neuropathy uh, company and stuff up like twenty-five percent in two days, okay? Uh, and there's still plenty of of space to pivot into immunology, uh, I think too. Small caps are are parry back. It's hard to build the next Genentech, so I think what you're seeing is there's a lot of people. Uh, these guys need money, and uh, it's hard to get money right now. So, uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of these things where the shorts have killed them. Well, if there's good news, look out shorts, right? And you know the the Inflation Reduction Act is in impacting small molecule development. Uh, you know, the M&A is on oncology right at the moment. So uh, small molecule is, you know, we think is, is one of the, it's, it's definitely one of the things to look at long-term, but uh, it costs money. And uh, the IRA, what they call it, the informa- the uh, Inflation Reduction Act kind of kills that. So because they're they're talking about keeping pricing down. So the FDA has been very flexible, providing some tailwinds for some regulatory discussions. So there's that's good news. Large caps are gearing up for another earnings growth inflection later on in the decade, uh, maybe even closer. And uh, there's a couple names that I saw one name that I liked in particular over the weekend here that uh, looks like a really good chart. Um, and we haven't had any retractions from the, pri- the earlier year price increases. So. You know so they raised prices anywhere from like six to ten percent and nobody gave them back and Glp -1 which is uh, you know an obesity program looks like it's got a lot a lot of legs and there's a couple names out there that you should really take a look at and there's many clinical catalysts anticipated this year so that could be very big but hey let's take a break this is the smart investor show we'll be right back stay tuned
3: Join the Cleveland Orchestra for an evening of Beethoven and Haydn. The sounds of the countryside come to life in Mandel Concert Hall with Beethoven's Pastoral Symphony. Beethoven's Pastoral, February 22nd through 25th at Severance. Tickets at clevelandorchestra.com.
4: Hey, friends, Bob France here for Sky Roofing, serving the greater Cleveland area for over 22 years. You know, the thing I've come to learn and love about Sky Roofing is about much more than just roof and service quality. Obviously, those things are important, but what I love most about Sky Roofing is the people. And the reason that matters is when you're talking about something as important as roof repairs on your home or your business or needing a new roof altogether, you better be able to trust the roofers. And as I've come to know them, I believe you can trust Sky Roofing to do your job right, to do it on time, and to do it at a tremendous price. They'll do your house or your commercial, industrial roofing for you, and they'll do it like it was one of their own homes. Get on the website at skyroofinginc.com. Request a quote there, or if you've got questions, they've got the answers. At 440-349-6750. Learn more about the service, the experience, and yes, the people. That's 440-349-6750 or online at skyroofinginc.com. Take it from me, SkyRoofing is Roofing Done Right.
2: And, uh, you know, I, I um, uh, I talked last week, uh, a little bit about semiconductors being kind of overbought since we talked about them in the fall and, uh, they got kind of hammered on Thursday and Friday. So it was high volume hammer too. So like I said, wait, you know, we've had a volatile start to the year, but what I thought was interesting is, is uh. You know, the eighth largest company out there in the magnificent, or the uh, the S&P 500, was down 11% for the week, yet we finished up for the week. Some of the big winners stopped on Thursday and Friday. Heavy volume on the downside, yet we finished up for the week. So we're up 2.5%. It's the, you know... uh, we start the week at the 29th. So we have a couple of days left. So if we finish January positive, remember as January goes, so goes the year. But as Rob Schleimer said, and I, I think uh, Laurie Calvacina and, and, and e- even some of the guys who work on stretch, uh, they talked about most of the games this year will probably be in the second half. Okay. So keep that in mind. But, you know, I think you've still got to look at the long-term trend. And, and I, I talk to people about that fairly regularly. And if I look, uh, at the S&P 500 on a monthly basis, we've held the uptrend line dating back to the low in 2009. You know, on this show, uh, March, of, March, I think it was March 7th of 2009 or maybe March 9th. I can't remember. If it was that Saturday. Uh, we said we thought we were a generational low. People thought I was crazy. You should have heard some of the emails I got. Uh, then we pounced up, and then we had a couple whoopses down, and you know, then we had our little fiasco back in uh, 2020. But we held, except for 2020, where we had what they call an undercut. Uh, and we held that, that uptrend line again, which is very positive. And if you look at the relative performance of st- the S&P 500 versus bonds, stocks have broken out. Okay, So keep that in mind. On the intermediate term, You know, the S&P 500 hit a new high. And the eighth largest company in the S&P 500 was down 11% last week. There is nothing more bullish than the price of your index, your stock, your commodity to go up. You can think of all the reasons why it shouldn't, but if it continues to go up, that's bullish. Okay? So just keep that in the back of your head. now. Like I said, uh, Rob Schleimer's Quadrant Balance Oscillator, which is more of a weekly momentum, okay, we mentioned weekly momentum, is fairly overbought. Now, it stayed stay that way for a while, <clears throat> and you just got to keep that in mind. Now, we also, you know, the, the bullish sentiment, as we said, pulled down a little bit, and the bearish sentiment pulled up, uh, which is very, you know, what we were looking for. We said it was too bullish and too, too bearish. I mean, there was too few bears and too uh, too many bulls, and and that's what we think is interesting. But you know, look, uh, I, I people ask me about the small cap call, and and uh, Lori is was very good at a small caps as a small cap strategist. So, Lori Calvacina is our head strategist now, and uh, you know she seems to think that's the place to go. And there's some other people that are joining her that are very smart people. The one thing I think you have to see before you go. All in on that is the relative performance to the S and P 500 breakage downtrend, and it's been in a downtrend since 2021. You know where in 2021 any any small cap stock that you bought they went up pretty much. So, uh, but you know we we did have, um, and I don't like to talk about yields because I don't know where they're going. But we did have the yields break their. You know they they were at five percent and they went down all the way to three what three seventy eight. on the ten-year, and now they've popped up. So, you know, there's a chance that we could, you know, from an oversold situation, have a bounce and see what happens. Uh, I don't know how long it will last or whatever. I'm not that good, so we'll just keep that in mind. Keep that in the back of your head while we're going forward. Now, there's a couple things. Um, I, you know, I don't know if if it's out there or not, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about software here a little bit. You know, we we talked about software. And semiconductors last fall, and, and they really, whew, boy, they've just been home runs. Uh, now, you know, some of those, uh, you know, I, I've stayed with some of the magnificent seven, uh, and they've gone crazy. Um, but I think what we need is, is to sp- spread the, the market out. So we'll see if that continues. But you know, in the, our our guys in the software, you know area are really, really good. And, uh, Matt Hedberg runs it. Um, and, uh, I I think, you know, he's, he's, as far as I am concerned he, he's, uh, put together a piece. It's called our soft RBC software primers. And I think it's pretty good. So here's some of the things that, you know, I think are important for software companies. And, um, if you'd like this report, you obviously send in for it, but We continue our practice of focusing on one key theme in software, and uh, it's influenced by our conversations with investors and companies. And it's you know the 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 previous themes included executive compensation, software and recessions, you know, uh, uh, general AI and software targeting operated models, business models, stock-based compensation, leading indicators, all that stuff. This quarter we focus on what they call GTM, go-to-market models and software, and specifically how companies bring their products to market and who the buyer is. So while investors often focus on product-led growth versus sales-led growth, we believe there are actually several other categories uh, you know, that we could see too. So this means, this may seem simple at first glance, but the intricacies can be key, so you got to truly understand the business, the unit economics, and the long-term margins. So I think that's important. So um, we looked at 74 companies in our our universe, and uh, we generally see uh, seven types of go-to-market models. And uh, there's, I think, there's some key takeaways that we we thought were important, and they were. Uh, first of all, the different GTM models lead to different financial pro- profiles. number one. Uh, the PLG tends to be more intuitive with companies under one billion in, in revenue. That's where you're going to get your biggest bang for your buck too, by the way. And we believe it's difficult for what is known as an SLG company, uh, if you wonder what these are, you should get uh, the, the report to adopt a PLG as a secondary lever, okay? So our best-in-class businesses use a mix of different models, okay, different business models. And we could see the you know, the PLG companies could see greater recession sensitivity than SLG or VLG companies. If you don't know what those are, you should get the report. We would uh, probably offer two pieces of advice for the management teams out there, the software companies. Provide investors a deep dive in GTM and buyers at Analyst Day and explore opportunities to augment the existing go-to market models with additional models to better organize growth. So it's a great report. I highly recommend it. Uh, A lot of people, you know, are wondering what the heck's going on. I did notice we've been kind of pounding the drum on dividend growth. And, uh, I did notice, uh, you know, that the dividend growth portfolio is starting to come around, all right? So people are starting to pick up yield. I think there'll be one more rally in in interest rates. That that stink. I'm not making that for certain or anything like that, but, uh, you know, keep that in the back of your head. Now, one of the things that I I guess I'm not sure with, but our London office, uh, Fred Carrier, Frederica Carrier, I'm sorry, Uh, put out a great report Um, and you probably got this if you were on my mailing list, but you know, there, there's two major choke points in, in maritime, in the maritime business, that's the Suez and the Panama canals. And they're operating below capacity and global shipping costs are climbing. And we, you know, we kind of explore in this, in this thing, the corporate sectors that may benefit and those that may suffer. Okay. Uh, So we, it, 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 there's some potential impact on inflation here. Okay, so the you know the the traffic in the Suez Canal, the waterway in Egypt, uh, which connects the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea, has pump, you know plummeted. Uh, Iran-backed uh, militants have been attacking commercial ships on this key trade route that connects China with both Europe and the U.S. East Coast. Uh, the militants said their attacks are in retaliation for the Israeli war with Hamas. Who knows? But, you know, we'll take it from there. But, uh, you know, a 12 percent of the global trade goes through there. So usually transits through that Red Sea uh, and with most of the traffic being en route to or from the Suez Canal. So 12 percent a lot. All right. So if these are going to continue, most container ships are being rerouted. Okay, so keep that in the back of your head. And so 25% more time is added to those trips, which is increasing the cost of these goods. Okay, so, you know, it's kind of a strange twist of fate. One of the world's other artificial water phase, uh, waterways, I'm sorry, the Panama Canal, uh, a key route for goods from Asia heading for the U.S. as it connects the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean, is also struggling, though not for geopolitical reasons. Uh usually unusually low water levels have limited the number of ships passing through this thing so we you know we don't know why that is it's it's you know some people think it's global warming but uh, we'll see what happens but we are seeing freight rates surge so it's something to keep in the back of your mind in the meantime let's take a break we'll be right back this is smart investor show
0: Everyone wants to know what's going to change. What can
3: we expect in the future? Heck, I want to know too. But in plumbing, the important stuff is what's not going to change. People are always going to want their call answered by a real human who can help them. And they're always going to want an honest, do-it-right plumber to fix the problem cadoodle style. And they're always going to want that to happen today, not tomorrow. So at works? That's what we focus on. That's why we're introducing same-day water heater replacement. Because let's face it, no one wants to take a cold shower in the morning after they discover a broken water heater. Well, maybe some health nut likes cold plunging but most of us want that hot water so when you call why it works for a broken water heater we'll get your replacement installed and installed right that same day we'll even wallock a it by taking away your old one and clean it up like we've never been there just call why it works and consider it
4: done this is Dennis Prager, and now a truly exciting new benefit. My monthly online video get-together for Pragertopia Topia Plus members only. For an hour each month, get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. I'll be answering your questions. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com.
2: We're back and uh, I just want to make mention that uh, we are having our friends from Marshfield uh, in sometime in May or June I'm not sure the exact date uh, now these guys you know you need two hundred fifty thousand dollars to walk in the door they are ex- extremely good value managers and uh, uh, most people have shook their head a couple times about them and, and sometimes they do things that make people crazy uh, but their performance is about, well, they, they've beaten the S&P 500 uh, over a 20-year period uh, pretty substantially, so I'll just keep that in mind. Um, anyway, they'll be in town, so if you'd like that, please you know, go to WHK 1420, uh, go down to local podcast, the Smart Investor Show. over goes directly to my webpage, so you, you, know, you can get what you want there. Um, in the meantime, also, uh, it's it's beginning of the year now, folks. Uh, the market's up 2.5% so far. I think that's kind of interesting because the eighth largest company in the world was down 11% last week, and the market was up. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, this January effect is usually pretty positive. So uh, we have 2.5%, um, and we have about three days to go. So we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, the other thing is now is a good time to put together a wealth plan. I just... Uh, like I said, I I had some I had a couple that um, they weren't sure, you know, and uh, you know they like to travel, and I told them I said maybe you can travel some more. I haven't heard that from a financial advisor too many times I bet, but uh, you know it does look like they, they could spend uh, they could have an additional trip per year without sacrificing the probabilities of them having a successful retirement. So just keep that in mind. Now, you know, somebody said, (laughs) one of their neighbors said, uh, well, what's this guy know? Remember, I'm the guy that got on this radio and said that cash would outperform the stock market. And I'd said it for nine months while the market just crashed and burned. And then I stepped up to the plate in March of 2009, the first week of March, first Saturday, and said, I think we've had a generational low. We were pretty close. I don't know if we were exactly that day, but uh, that was the time to buy stocks with both hands. And people thought I was crazy, but, you know, when you're scared is when you want to buy. But anyway, the family, tour, family inventory workbook and the, uh, and also the wealth plan are two really good ways to get organized. Just imagine having everything in one place and say to yourself, hey, the probabilities of me making through it retirement are 90% or 95% or 99%. You know, and then we can start to do what ifs on my computer. If you come on board with us, you can do what ifs. And those what ifs are stuff like, hey, maybe I take one more trip a year. Maybe I just had a lady who wants to take all her her grandkids, and there's a lot of them. (laughs) All right, to to for an island holiday. All right, maybe you want to stay away from the Bahamas right now, but there we go. I I had some people ask me about you know the the data liquid cooling. thing we talked about, how, you know, all these uh, GPUs that people are buying are overheat, you know, they're, they're hot, they run hot, okay, like 125, 130 degrees sometimes, and these warehouses that they're filling, you know, these data warehouses, uh, the, by the way, real estate investment trusts are starting to buy these things, uh, you know, a lot of the, the guys that have uh, been in this business before are buying these. Uh, these cooling systems and the liquid cooling systems are the ones that I like the best. I, I got a couple of companies there that have done really great. Okay. But this is not a new report. This is a report from June folks. Okay. So uh, a lot of these stocks are up and I'm not suggesting that you run out and buy them today. Uh, but you know, if you want the report, it's still there, but it's six months old. <laughs> All right. So it's not a new one. So keep that, keep that in the back of your head. And, uh, you know, look, uh, you know, we we talked about uh, the chip industry and we went we went through this. Uh, this was way back in the first week of November. And, you know, we talked about the wide wide scale disruption of the global semiconductor chains and all that good stuff. They run big time. I mean, I got two names in here that have run 100 percent. Now, what I wish I would have done is added those to everybody's portfolio, which, which I didn't. but. Uh, I, you know, I, look. What I thought was going to happen was that the the, ba- the companies with the basic chips were going to do really, really well, and uh, that's what our analyst said. By the way, uh, he was kind of semi wrong. The, the specialized chips are what done really well. Uh, I think there's still room. I think the next wave will be the the regular chips. Okay, these guys that make the stuff for autos and and toasters and all that good stuff. Uh, but I think you got to wait on them. Okay. You know, they were up 3% last, not last week, the week before. And, and I started to see some signs this week of, of, you know, Hey, be careful. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll take it from there. Uh, anyway, you you know, these are, these are things that I try, I try to emphasize to my clients and, uh, you know, buy low, sell high. And I, I, I actually had a new client who has, he's, Gnawing at the bit to buy semiconductors and I, I unfortunately we were filling out the paperwork when it was the great time to buy and i think it's you know we're going to have another chance coming up pretty hard and it it'll it'll be when everybody doesn't want to buy semiconductors okay coming going forward but look the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones industrial averages are resolving a two year consolidation to the upside okay So, you know, that's very positive. How far can the rally go? Well, we don't know. But if you use some, you know, uh, Rob Schleimer uses, uh, Rob's our head technician, by the way, and a very good one. And if you use some, you know, uh, Fibonacci extensions, you know, there's some pretty big numbers out there. So, uh, you know, uh, it could be a a very good sign. And just remember, we've had 11, 20% corrections since 1950 that when they've hit a new high, have gone a lot higher, okay? I think this is going to happen the second half of the year. But, you know, if you look at the targets, you know, these are levels, not targets, okay? And that's Fibonacci how it works. But, you know, look, the most bullish thing an index can do is hit a new high, and they have, all right? So now what we'd like to see is a distribution effect. Meaning the small caps and the transports. Now, I did notice some of the rails looked kind of interesting this week, but the small caps and the and the uh, and the transports are are lagging a little bit. We'd like to see some of the industrials kick in. The financials look uh, great-looking charts on the financials, but look, it's that three to four-year compet- repetitive cycle that we see within. You know, we have these structural bull markets that are sixteen to seventeen years, eighteen years long, and then we have markets within that of three to four years and the four year cycle is is starting. We just started it. So it's a very positive scenario. Uh and it, when you break out the new highs, it doesn't it confirms it. Okay. So now the quadrant balance, the weekly quadrant balance indicator, which is Rob Slimers uh I think you know excellent uh momentum indicator is above the red line, above eighty, okay? Uh Actually, it's eighty point five right now. So uh, that's usually when you want to eh, wait. You know, wait for things to come to you. Okay, now that's on the S and P five hundred. So now the key here, I think, is that the advanced decline line is breaking out to all time new highs. The stock only advanced decline line, meaning that there's some bond, you know, stuff and other stuff that they put into the S and P five hundred. Uh, is lagging now uh the new york stock exchange you know uh ad line is has broken out and pulled back so we'll see what happens now like i said the russell you really need some small caps and uh, look in order for a bull market you want the dow the utilities and the transports hitting new highs together utilities see a couple utilities in my charts today but the utilities Need to pick up, and the transports need to pick up. The Russell is still the relative performance is recovering, but it remains in the downtrend. Uh, It needs an an upside break um, for the the movement to be meaningful. Okay, so if it breaks out against the S and P 500, then we get you know interested. Now the weekly momentum's a little bit overbought, but the daily momentum is oversold. So once again it's that time frame thing that we talked about for the last, uh, you know, couple months. Uh, but you know, daily momentum is oversold, maybe bottoming, who knows. we'll see what happens, but the recent test of the the new highs looks kind of in, interesting at this point. Hey, let's take a break. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Stay tuned.
3: Show you this. I can
0: help. Carly Kirk here. It is critical we keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. More than eighty million Americans depend on AM radio for news, weather, and opinions. AM is also the backbone of the emergency alert system, keeping you advised of threatening weather conditions and amber alerts. Text AM to number five two eight eight six. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Again, text AM to number five two eight. Eight, six, standard message and data rates may apply.
4: I love the feel and character of local restaurants. When you're near Medina, drop in Planet Flag Restaurant and Brewing. Karen and Aaron are the owners, and they're ready to serve you for dinner or lunch.
3: Fish listeners can stop in for lunch between 12 and 4 and get 10% off.
4: I like that, and I have to tell you, I love your Reuben. It is amazing. It is different. The Reuben.
0: Our Reuben is oven-baked, and it's crispy and melty and delicious.
4: And you guys are known for your burgers. Aaron, you've got a new burger.
3: Yeah, it's called the Moab, the mother of all burgers. Two smash patties, two slices of American cheese, four strips of bacon, a hash brown, and a sunny-side-up egg.
4: Sounds delicious. If you sing it, it
3: sounds like a familiar... (laughs) Yeah, not two all-beef patties. It's a lot more.
4: (laughs) I think you guys have created a really nice atmosphere for people.
0: I want them to feel like it's their
1: place to hang out.
4: Good people, nice place. Try Planted Flag Restaurant and Brewing on
3: Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com.
4: Okay, we're back.
2: You know, uh, I, I just want to mention that, uh, you know, I, I've kind of started using the quadrant balance, uh, weekly quadrant balance momentum indicator uh, that Rob Schleimer designed. And uh, boy, did he make a great call last fall, you know? And now it's a little bit overbought, so what you got to do is, on a weekly basis, you know, start to think, let let the stock come to me, okay? Uh, now, there'll be some that get away from you. That happens sometimes. But I think, you know, letting it come to you is important. So, uh, as I mentioned, with the Russell 2000, which is <clears throat> kind of the small-cap index that most people look at, or the S&P 500, 600, S&P 600 small-cap, uh, the daily momentum is oversold, and it's bottoming. And I, I think the, the Russell has a lot of support right at its 50-day moving average, which it stopped. stopped right there, which is very positive. So there, there could be a retest of the highs. Who knows? But uh, we'll see what happens going forward. Now, the, the other thing I, I would mention is the, the bullish uh, sentiment from the AAII polls has, was, was up to 48, went down to 40. And the bearish, uh, which was at twenty, went to moved up to twenty four. That's usually a good sign. Okay, I, I highly, you know, uh, support that. And that, uh, uh, you know, you just don't know, uh, you know, wh- where we're all going. I guess, uh, you know, it's it's a matter of of using your head to buy things the right way. Okay, so just I'll keep it. Keep it simple for all of us. Um, Anyway, the 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 overall um, scenario I think is going to be really kind of interesting going forward. Here Uh, is that what we're going to see, in my humble opinion, is the the in the long term we're in that cycle, the bottom of that cycle, the four year cycle that we talked about, and uh, you know people uh, are not paying attention, okay? There are a lot of people stepping aside, whatever. The amount of money on the sidelines, just a portion of it comes, it, that came out, you know, if the amount of money comes in, I think it's going to be interested. So many investor uh, investors characterize 2023 as a year with very narrow equity le- leadership. And, you know, basically only a small handful of large cap growth stocks. But we, we continue to see some evidence of broadening, and if that continues, notably the small to mid cap stocks. Uh, I I have five stocks that I really like that are higher price stocks, but uh, you know I'm I looked over them today, and I uh, the one got got away from me for the time being. Anyway, uh, I'm not buying anything up. Um, but anyway, I, I think this you know the small caps which are oversold. On a short term basis, turn up. That could be very positive for things. And small caps could go up while the Dow pauses or the S P pauses. Don't don't forget that. But look, think about the long term. Generational cycles, they last sixteen to eighteen years. This one we think started in 2016 at the end of it. So I mean, we could see uh you know a big cycle that could move into the twenty thirties. Okay. So Look, and, and if we base it based on the last two major bull markets, and, you know, look, I'm, I'm starting from the bottom, okay? 1929, you know, at the bottom in 1930, uh, you know, from there to the top was 2,300%. In the 70s, in 73, from the bottom to the top in, in 2000 was 2,300%. If we just go to 2,000, we're talking, you know, 13,500, 14,000 on the S&P 500, that could be a big, big move, okay? Because uh, we're at 40, 4,800 right now, you know? So just remember, we got these four year cycles and we're moving back into one. I, I would suggest that what's interesting, I think, is that the, if I, you know, we talk about the 14 and 13 uh, month moving averages and the 14 month or the four month is, has rallied over the 13 month, which is usually bullish. Now, the distance between the four month and the 13 month moving average usually, you know, when it gets too wide on a positive side, usually means look out below. And when it gets too wide on a negative side, uh, this is statistics, you know, standard deviations away, it's usually time to buy. We're a little overbought right now, but we're, we're, we're slowly but surely dissipating that overbought level, so keep keep that in the back of your mind. So, uh, what would I do now? I, I really think that if interest rates pop up here a little bit, you'll get one more chance to buy dividend stocks, good high quality dividend stocks. I am starting to notice that staples are starting to show up on my machine again. Uh, I haven't talked about that. A couple utilities showed up, uh, which is interesting, you know. But uh, if interest rates pop up a little bit, and you know, I'm not good enough to tell you when they're going to go, but If they pop up a little bit, it might be your last chance to buy good quality dividend stocks. Remember, you want to buy yield when it's up. Okay, so if the particular idea, you know, the particular, you know, if it's a bond or a stock is down, that means the yield is up. That's what we talked about uh, last year. You know, the uh, the, the one year and two year CDs were really looking good as, as far as price was concerned and yield. All right, so keep that in the back of your mind. Don't don't get too bearish. But remember, it's it's January, folks. As January goes the year, we're up two and a half percent. We've got three days to go. If we hold even up half a percent in the next three days, we're probably in pretty good shape. Okay. So but I do think that the that most of the gains will probably be in the second half of the year. You know, there's an old saying that as October goes, goes the election. So what we found is the incumbent tends to lose if October is a down month for the market. So keep that in the back of your head, because that's one of the things I think is keeping people out of the market is the election, which is okay. You know, uh, as, as long as, you know, uh, you keep in mind the long term market we're in a secular bull market. Now you, you might not have thought of 2022 as a, as a bull, but look, we, you know, it just took longer. Okay. Remember in 1987, we lost 25% in a day. Okay. In 1990, we had another 22% correction when Saddam Hussein rolled into Kuwait. So those happen in bull markets. And uh, you just got to remember that it's a long, you know, it's a 16 to 18 year cycle. And, you know, I mean, if that's the case, and we started in 2017 and the 16, you know, 2034, that's 10 years from now. Okay. a lot of time to make money. And don't forget, you know, if you stay in the market, the longer you stay, the more money you make, you tend, tend to make uh, versus bonds, okay? So keep that in the, uh, the back of your head. Uh, what would I do right now? I do think the dividend growth stocks are in great shape. Uh, I like the prime income list too, for those who need income like right now. Uh, those are good ideas. Uh, and, uh, you know, look, I just think, the, you know, I talked about the chips and the software companies. I think they need a little bit of rest, okay? So let them rest. You know, I don't think you want to be chasing those names right now. They've come a long way, uh, a lot longer than I expected. There's a couple of names I really, really like that I don't own as much of that I'm going to be buying uh, into. But look, in the meantime, just go to WHK 1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. And if you want to set up a time, uh, I'm, I'm not going around too much right now. I'm just back on a cane. So, uh, you know, if you want to get together and talk about your portfolio or have a phone call, let me know. In the meantime, the dividend growth and the prime income list look pretty interesting as far as Tim Hayes is concerned. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is Smart Investor Show. And remember, buy low and sell high.
1: Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
0: Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets.
4: He was one of the most respected generals in the military.
0: Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.